You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL show, the Monday following Conference Championship Sunday. We have so much to talk about for the foreseeable future, so make sure you are subscribed right here at the SB Nation NFL show, available on all major podcast platforms where you can hear the audio stylings of one Pete Tweeney from the yes. AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs website that we have, arrowheadpride.com. You can normally hear Michael Kiss, Kissed, not with us here today. Kiss, we love you, buddy. Hope you're back soon enough thinking of you uh, i am rj ochoa from blogging the boys the home of america's team at sb nation a very right. sad affair uh when it comes to the dallas cowboys right now although not really because uh well pete four teams began the weekend and only two left and one of them was not mike mccarthy's old team no it was not the green bay packers the tampa bay buccaneers advancing tom brady gets to his 10th Super Bowl uh, on the other side of it. Before we dive into any of this, let's relax for a second. I pulled up the I knew you did conference <laughs> expert. OK, picks, so there, there were 10. There have been 10 experts um, are us and our SB Nation yes, colleagues. Very important that, to that, say, have, yeah. that have picked the games mm. all year long. We also have an 11th pick, which is SB Nation Reacts. If you aren't a part of it, just go to SBNationReacts.com. You can sign up. You get emails um, that ask you for your thoughts on different polls when it comes to the NFL and obviously to make game picks every week. Uh, Pete, at the beginning of Sunday, um, it, it was a rather tight race um, in terms of who was in first place. I think we should at least sure. put, put that in order. The Reacts pick actually right. in first place uh, had 168 wins on the season. Gina Kelly, our great friend who um, knows a lot about heartache herself as an Atlanta Falcons fan, yes, right. was, sitting, was sitting on 161 correct picks on the year. Your, uh, yours truly, right here, I had 160. Um, you only had a 155, so, you know. What I will say is this. We watch a lot of football. This is what we do. Shout out to Alexis, of course, RJ, Ed, Kyle, Brandon, Amir, Gina, uh, James, and David. And I think we all kind of knew going into the weekend we all knew this is going to be easy this is going to be an easy pick we have the most data we could possibly have we're at the conference championship weekend we know these teams really really well and uh, wait i'm looking at these and there's just one person that was able to nail the super bowl and the and what and there was a tweet out there and he said what is this from the morning can't believe i'm going to be the only one that's correct and that person was myself who picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to get into this Bucks game, RJ, but one point here. I think this little graphic here that we do at SB Nation is a microcosm of what last week was. It was the national media. It was analysts. It was people really wanting in the pit of their stomachs to talk themselves into Aaron Rodgers, into Josh Allen, when the answer, everybody, my fellow SB Nationites, RJ, everybody out there, Tom Brady was right in front of you. He didn't have the best game, but he was right in front of you. Patrick Mahomes was right in front of you. These are two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. There was no reason to pick against them. And here we get the goat versus the baby goat in the big dance. RJ, back to you. I will start off and congratulate you, Pete. In, in you. case, In case Thank it you. was not obvious. Pete Sweeney was the only person to correctly predict. I, I wanted Bowl to hear. You, I, I, just did, I did want to hear you say. I'm it, just yeah. saying you kind of danced around it and didn't specify. Alexis, the only person who actually also picked the Buccaneers at that. Everybody else was was riding the pack train. Sure. Um, now, Pete, my lone contention with this yes. is all season long you have acted like 
you carved this out of Mount Mystery. Mm -hmm. Whereas I want to cite a tweet from the great David Cantor, great NFL agent extraordinaire. Um, I sent this to you in our messaging platform throughout Sunday's action um, on Twitter at David Cantor. Um, He said, question, has there ever been a preseason Super Bowl matchup prediction easier than Chiefs Bucks? Which sort of serves to your point. Seems like everyone and their sister's cat predicted that before the start of the season. Now, um, I suppose this is a natural segue, Pete, into the NFC Championship game because yeah. it, it just seemed absurd I, on one level. Like, I, <laughs> I get that, you know, it's Tom Brady. And for the loyal listener, Pete is a little bit more of a subscriber to QB wins than most people. More of a subscriber. So- <laughs> I am a fervent believer in QB wins. I, I know what's out there. I know the analytics. Anyway. I'm- I'm telling you, one second. I'm telling you, <laughs> this is Pete's day. <laughs> the quarterback, it does matter. I it I, does. Nobody's saying it doesn't matter at all. But I, but I'm so against the idea that QB wins is not a stat because there is such a difference between when one quarterback plays versus another. The confidence he instills in the team. If you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, it, you have nothing. I've never liked that. I'm coming around, RJ, and I, I, and I we keep teasing things. I'm coming around to like, okay, maybe we should go forward on more fourth and shorts. All right. <laughs> but don't tell me QB wins is not a set. Very quickly. The idea that QB wins is not a stat is only, I think, said to dismiss how preposterous it is to lean on it as an entire base of data for an argument. Obviously, it is important how much success a quarterback has. But it also, we we do, this is football. This is the NFL. Ultimate team game. Right. And and so the idea that that one man can single-handedly, you know, and, and granted, the most important position in the game obviously touches the ball, controls the game more than anybody else. But again, that's that's where the the I don't call it disconnect, but I think we're we're coming, you know, we're meeting in the middle here. Um, but for that reason, it, it it was just preposterous that Tom Brady could join a new team in the opposite <laughs> conference and and have legitimate levels of success. I'm, so now, I, wait a minute. So now you're call, calling it preposterous. A second ago, you told me that I had a cookie cutter preseason prediction because okay. I did pick the Chiefs over the Bucks, and now you're saying okay. the other side. What you is what, it? You know what it is, Pete. Tom Brady, I've realized this. Um, Kyle Posey and I were kind of talking about this idea on Clubhouse after the games. If you are a Clubhouse user, make sure you join us following NFL Guys action. Playing a little we nice, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, that's, that game's called Bug House, by the way. Got totally it. different thing. But anyway, yeah. Tom Brady's like the Fast and Furious movies, I think. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. it's, it's going to make a lot of money, right? But it's, you know, it's not the best movie. Like Walking Tall with The Rock. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that that analogy totally lands, but okay, let's we let's get to the game because we have okay. very much espionation to this, um, which is a good thing. It was preposterous that he could just, and I th- I think there are there are no longer any comparisons to Tom Brady, none, right? And there haven't been for a long time. But the only one that that sort of held up was was Bill Belichick, I guess, like a chicken or the egg type thing. But right. I think now the the one that we can truly line him up against in some respect is LeBron James. And LeBron, first time leaving the Eastern Conference, shows up to the West, doesn't even make the playoffs, and and had a similar level of sway, right? Different games and, and whatnot, but similar level of sway and control in, in constructing the team's roster. Um, and so it, it just seemed preposterous that that could happen. But 31 to 26, the final score. I do think, Pete, that this was more about Green Bay just imploding is a, a bit heavy but right. but kind of falling apart i this was one of this was the worst game that we've seen the matt lafleur led packers play i think it was it was and i i do think we have to give the bucks credit here and sure. i mean we talked about we talked about brady this is something i go back to and it is a repeat theory that i have and i'm just going to say it quickly for those who might have heard it before <laughs> you know everybody wants to crown brady in this brady belichick thing he had the ability to pick the bucks so he picked a supporting cast which includes sure. mike evans and godwin and this fantastic defense right. which was a major major reason in them winning and so I, I still think that debate is out until Belichick picks his next quarterback, his guy that he really likes, whether that be that's Matt fair. Stafford in free agency or drafting someone. That's for another day. But what you saw in this game, let me read you Tom Brady's halftime statistic line. 13 of 22, 
He had two touchdowns, 119 rating at halftime. He truly looked like the old Tom Brady in the first half. It was the second half where he seemed like age was catching up to him. And, you know, a lot of people were upset at the moment of that final pass interference call that sealed the game. Right. Just because of the timing of it. Right. Brady handed them three opportunities to and said, look, I'm old. Take this from me. And it was the Bucks defense that slammed the door shut. I disagree that Tom Brady showed his age. I don't think he had the youthful exuberance of a Lamar Jackson, say. But the the back-to-back interceptions in the fourth quarter, obviously picked up by Jair Alexander both times. The first one, a bit high of a ball, but still a tipped ball by Mike. It was high. I mean, it It, was... Okay, I, look, I don't know if the, he. I mean, you know, you talked about LeBron, Kobe. Was he? Did he think he had Shaquille O'Neal? Look, all I, look to? I'm a fighting Texas Aggie. I know that Tom Brady is the second best quarterback that Mike Evans has ever played with. Shout out, of course, to Johnny Heisman. Um, but I, there, the age-old rule is: if you touch it, you should catch it. And so, fine, if you want to call that a 50-50 split, but whatever. I, my, it, yeah. my my point is, it it wasn't like this old man throw. If if anything, it's an anti-old man throw because too much, too much, exactly. Um, the second one I don't necessarily attribute to Tom Brady being old because he's got a, a blitzer completely in his face and it's it's literally just a prayer of a chance in fact I also again it was the, like, it was, like the, a, it was a Delhome duck that passed. It, it, it was but the physical properties of that pass the second pick are obviously you know not the most uh sturdy and athletic however the mental processing to realize at that point it was third and five and to to accept okay it's either i take a sack or i just arm punt this right and like if i arm punt this like i've got a 50 50 kind of general split that this works out in my favor so if any like that was the one narrative from from the end of this game that i kind of disagreed with i thought that brady's mental processing and mental faculties were operating at the highest level that they really ever have been I think Brady deserves a lot of credit in this game for getting the Bucks out to such a lead and setting the tone, but it's very much shared by Shaq Barrett, JPP, sure. because that pressure on Rodgers was relentless. You right. are used to watching these Packers games all year, and he is slicing and dicing. The opposing defenses know Devontae Adams is coming. They know Rodgers is going to throw to him, and they usually can't do anything about it. Rodgers didn't have a lot of time. You could tell that the coverage was good. Murphy Bunting made a great play in this game for the interception. And it just was that that time seemed to run out and really chances, you know, because they had a lot of opportunities late in this game that they just couldn't get it done. And then I'm going to set this up for you. We're kind of burying the lead here with Matt LaFleur, who has had a fantastic year as Green Bay Packers head coach. And unfortunately for him, this moment might be remembered. So um, the moment Pete is talking about, thank you so much, Pete. I feel like like the, the stakes are hot off the grill and you let me have my pick. It's great, great friend you are. Late in the game, very late in the game, trailing by eight points. So, you know, you need a touchdown to win or to tie so you can have a chance at winning. It is fourth and goal on the Tampa Bay eight-yard line. Um, so you have a it's not, not a easy fourth down conversion by any means. Right. Green Bay has all three timeouts north of the two minute warning, and they elect to take a Mason Crosby 26 yard field goal and kick it off to I, again. I hesitate to like go down this narrative path, but the greatest quarterback of all time, an offense that had been having legitimate levels of success. It was not the greatest decision in the world. It was a very cowardly decision. It was a very misplaced level of logic, if, if there was logic in it at all. Um, and the Green Bay Packers never touched the ball again because you mentioned it came down to a critical third down. And Packers fans can be upset they want, you know, about the P.I. coming in late. It was pass interference. And actually, I thought you were going to mention this when you were talking about it. I, I think Tom Brady deserves some credit for that pass interference call because he very very clearly saw what was happening and I I think great quarterbacks do this threw it in that direction to you know put some attention on what was happening and so I think it was a smart play on his behalf but I don't want to get off of the subject here this 
I cannot believe that Matt LaFleur decided to punt, uh, albeit an actual field goal, when he has the MVP of the league operating at the peak of his powers this season in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if if you have to live and die by one thing in this game as the Green Bay Packers head coach, it should be Aaron Rodgers, not your suspect defense. And I know sometimes head coaches get a little bit heady and they wonder, well, if I make this call and it doesn't work out, am I going to be blamed? Man, I, I think this was an easy decision Yeah, because no one would have blamed him for allowing Aaron Rodgers one last chance to get to the end zone and at least still have some sort of control. The problem is when you kick the field goal, you don't know how this is going to go. And I know in the second half, as I just explained, Tom Brady looked poor, but you're giving Brady the ball and you're saying all you got to do is get two first downs. Right. And Brady wasn't showing that he could get down the field for a touchdown, but my man could get two first downs in his sleep. He could be hung over, you know, if, if need be. And I, and he'd be able to, not that he ever does with the TB 12 plan. Sorry, Alex Guerrero, <laughs> but just a baffling, baffling decision. We've seen a couple of those in the playoffs. And I wonder if these reflect some changes, maybe in the mentality of coaches moving forward into next year of when we're fourth and short, when we're in close to our uh, opponent's, end zone when we're in the red area let's go as long as we feel comfortable about our quarterback I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers but before I do we disagreed with this Pete uh well you disagreed with Kiss and I after the wild card round my favorite coaching decision except for literally everything Andy Reid does um actually the Andy Reid fourth and inches play call with Chad Henney is is the best call of the playoffs but acknowledging Andy Reid and the Chiefs as a very obvious outlier my favorite call of the playoffs to date has been Frank Reich going for it on fourth and goal at the end of the first half against the Bills. Now, I know that the Bills' offense never really found its prolific form that we saw near the end of the regular season, but especially in the first round of the playoffs, there was all the reason in the world to believe that that was going to be there. And I really just applaud Frank Reich for saying, you know what, we didn't come here to settle for field goals. It's going to take points to win. I'm willing to risk this in the name of acquiring them so that we can be on the right side of things when this thing is over. And that's what Matt LaFleur didn't do here. This was more obvious, but it's the same principle as my point. Right. And we're going to talk about that. I have some points on that. And when we get to to Cheats Bills, I think a couple of guys we have to mention, Leonard Fournette had one of the plays of the playoffs. Oh, man, it was sick. LSU Fournette right there. Playoff Lenny. With with the spinorama, spinorama, mama jamma, that's six on the board. And then Chris Godwin had a nice game. I don't think Chris Godwin gets enough credit. He was hampered by injuries all he's, year. He's the straw that stirs that drink. What's interesting is he's a UFA. And, you know, you, you were talking to all 32 teams right now here on the SB Nation NFL show. Interesting. I mean, a lot of people think he remains with the Bucks, but who knows? You know, who knows how that goes? Uh, also, after the game on the winning side, you had Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski with their bad boys for life uh, video, throwing it back to when, when they uh, won the AFC title game in Kansas City. And then on the other side, Aaron Rodgers, which some interesting quotes where it, it seemed like there may be some finality in Green Bay. And I don't think Rodgers is done. So very interesting. It's fitting that they were playing the Bucks because you look at the Rodgers situation. Yeah. And you, you say to yourself, man, there's no way he would ever go to another team. They'll work this out. But then you look across the way. And it's like what he could have. He's like looking at his potential Tom reality. Brady. Bucks uniform, yeah, right, and and, and showing that. Yeah, look, Aaron, I know you're 37, but you're ripe, man. Look at me. You got another five years left. Find yourself a, a, a new suitor here. So, really interesting to see what happens uh, in Green Bay. Now, it seems like Lafleur wants to retain him, but Rodgers is in this late twilight of his career has become this deep thinker. Chris Collinsworth likes to talk about it. How he has that meditation, Al, and so. We'll see where where Rodgers ends up here. You also didn't mention Scotty Miller had, I think, the most important play of the game. I mean, yeah. that that swung everything. That was a Madden. That was a Madden. You're playing your yeah. little brother in Madden. He put he picked the wrong defense. Yeah. Just hail mary it to the end zone. Uh, I don't know what Kiss Yeet of the week would have been, but I imagine that might have been it. So very quickly on Aaron Rodgers. In no universe is Aaron washed. Is Aaron bad? Is Aaron's terrible, whatever. But I mean, if we're going to kill Matt LaFleur, Aaron deserves, I think, an enormous amount of blame here. 
following the first Jair Alexander interception, and this was, by the way, after Aaron was seen telling his defense to generate a turnover. My dog is a big Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of takes. He's, he's super anti-Aaron. We are Cowboys fans in this house, so it's like right. he's been scorned. Sure. But Aaron was seen, Pete, as you know, on the broadcast, talking about, you know, get, get the ball back, force a turnover, whatever the case may be. And he goes three and out after the first Jair Alexander interception. Okay, not ideal. Still a lot of ball game left. So right. the Buccaneers come out and don't even technically go three and out because on their third play, they throw the, what did you call it, the Delum Duck uh, interception. <laughs> and so, like, literally back-to-back, you know, possessions, the Green Bay Packers force an interception. And the ensuing Packers possession, Aaron Rodgers goes three and out. Right. Okay, so you're talking about after after he, de- I mean, demanded is a heavy word, but demanded an interception, they gave him one twice, and he went three and out. And I agree with you, in no universe was the decision to kick a field goal a good one. However, the three passes that preceded that fourth and goal decision, the Packers got the ball, Pete, on the Tampa Bay eight-yard line. It was first and goal, incomplete. Second down, incomplete. Third down, incomplete. So in no universe am I trying to justify Matt LaFleur's decision here. It was still stupid and still bad and still dumb. But Aaron Rodgers really, really cratered in an incredibly important moment for the Packers. Not just once, not just twice, but three different times. And so he can sit here, and you mentioned his postgame comments. He had a little quip about, oh, it wasn't my decision to kick the field goal. Well, you know what, Aaron? You had a lot of chances to really impact this game yourself, and you didn't. He said that he would have maybe picked a different play. LaFleur allowed him to pick the third down play, but had he known it was the last down and the last time he would touch the football, he might have picked something different with a crossing pattern. I don't know if it would have mattered. And that's what my point, I think, going back to the Bucks defense. The Bucks defense just played really well and a huge part of this football game. Brady in the first half and the Bucks D gets them to the Super Bowl. All right. Well, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers become the first team in NFL history to host the Super Bowl in their own stadium. Ironically, it took them three games on the road for the right to host the ultimate game at their place. Uh, do you know, Pete, that the Twitter handle for Raymond James Stadium is at RJ Stadium? No big deal. My house hosting the ultimate party in a couple of weeks. You are sure. definitely invited. Uh, we have to talk about the winners, though, the back-to-back winners of the AFC. But before we do, we're going to take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. If you thought Pete Tweeney had gloated in the first half of this show, boy, oh boy, do we have a surprise for you. Meeting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay will be the reigning AFC champion, the reigning Super Bowl champions, reigning Super Bowl champions in the state of Florida. Perhaps Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate Florida man. There's some free content for you, Pete. The Kansas City Chiefs outlasting the upstart Buffalo Bills 38 to 24 in the AFC title game. I think, Pete, that score is a little too generous to the Bills. And actually, I'll start. 
I'll, okay. I'll start um, sure. because I think it's fair. And yeah. uh, we appreciate you, loyal listeners, for putting up with my dog. My wife's out of town. Pete's been a true trooper about this. So uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody. There's construction going on. Uh, he is super upset. But, you know, it, it's the WFH life, Pete, the work from That's home right. life. Of course, yeah. I have said that the Chiefs have been the team. The analogy I've used is when you're a kid at a restaurant, you play with a butter knife and you open your fingers, right? And you go through the cracks, right? And right. I maintain that that's true. I think that she, and, and people, you know, whatever, they were bored, you know, they were waiting for this time, whatever. Um, the data supported that they were playing down to their competition, if you want to call it that, 0-9 in their last nine games in terms of against the spread. But all the credit in the world to the Chiefs for saying, okay, it's it's the time, let's let's turn it on. Because I, I think that's impossible to do, to just say, right. if, if it really was that like purposeful or intentional, I think it is impossible to simply say it's time to turn it on and do it. But this this is the version of the Chiefs that I think we've been waiting an entire year to see. I think for the first time this season, they emulated their 2019 form. And it was very, very, very obvious that the Buffalo Bills are not in their class. I know that, Pete, you were personally offended by the intimation from some that Josh Allen was even close to Patrick Mahomes' level. Right. I don't at all mean to take away from Patrick Mahomes, but in in so many ways, I constantly think that Tyreek Hill is the biggest X factor on that team. There's just nothing like him in the NFL, and that's why they are so good. Yeah, I I mean, I I wasn't necessarily keeping tabs, except uh, (laughs) just wanted to talk to... Briefly about Colin Cowherd, pro football talk. Matt Hasselbeck had the little box checked off for the Bills and the quarterback a section of the tale of the tape. You had Adam Shine on CBS that said Josh Allen. I believe, RJ, you and our Slack said that Allen was comparable to Patrick Mahomes. And I always thought that this game would come down to what would Josh Allen do when he was down multiple scores and had to rally his team back in the road game in Arrowhead Stadium. You could hear it on the broadcast. The Chiefs were fortunate enough, and they fixed the protocols enough so where it was safe to bring in 22,000 fans, which, I'm sorry, 22% fans, which is 17,000. It was loud, tough place to play. What was Allen going to do? And he faltered under the pressure. He could not get his team back in the game. And Patrick Mahomes, playing with turf toe, the same injury that kept Devontae Adams out six weeks in 2019. Mm. Go off, King. Antonio Gibson, three to four weeks at the end of 2020. Granted, different positions. I do want to say that because you need to be able to be shifty and you can work the pocket a little bit more as a quarterback. But he was making the Bills look silly as they were rushing him. Matt Milano, who didn't play in the week six game, that was supposed to be a major point of what was the AFC title game. Mahomes sliced and diced him, and he was out of his shoes a little bit as he's just throwing from all RM angles, and they adjusted the game plan a little bit more to get the ball out of his hands and involve the running backs. He didn't have to run as much. Mahomes, a little bit less than Allen, will occasionally scramble. But to me, this was just a reminder. This was an in-case-you-forgot type of game. I talked about the Hasselback X-cross thing where Hasselback picked Allen over Mahomes. Mahomes quote-tweeted it at the game with the yawning emoji. He was saying the thing after the game that Kobe Bryant said where the job's not finished. We're not looking at just a top five quarterback. I don't know how many times I have to say it on this show. This is Michael Jordan. This is Michael Jordan. I don't know how many times in different ways I have to say it. I, I, I understand it's boring. I understand this is not the last time. I know people are going to try to talk themselves into just as they did the Browns, just as they did the Bills. There will now be two weeks to overthink this and pick the Buccaneers. Don't be silly here. It's only minus three and a half right now. Go get the points or or go get that spread while you can. This is the best team in the NFL with the best quarterback in the NFL. The defense stepped up. You mentioned Tyreek Hill. You're absolutely right. There is nobody like him in the NFL. I've always said this about Hill since I started covering him at the beginning of his career. If you give him two to three yards in front of him, it's going to be either like 40 yards Mm -hmm. or more than likely a touchdown. And they have that same problem at the tight end position. Hill is not even Patrick Mahomes' number one guy. We talk about these great quarterbacks and who is their number one target. It's Travis Kelsey, who is another version of that that at that position. Whenever Patrick Mahomes, it's, it's third and, I call it third and Mahomes, third and whatever, whatever you want to call it. He looks to find Kelsey. 
And Kelsey is such a grand mismatch. He's the speed of a wide receiver, so he's a mismatch for these linebackers. And then you have both of them on the same team. And then say you are able to handle them on certain plays. If McCole Hardman or Byron Pringle or Clyde Edwards or Lair or Daryl Williams are playing well, what are you supposed to do if you're a defense? And I think that's the ultimate problem. They maybe got a little bit bored. I, I don't know if they would ever admit that on a microphone, but it, it did sometimes seem that like when they're in a game, a 17-14 game with the Matt Ryan Atlanta Falcon, it just doesn't seem to match up. But I knew that they had this in them. And I think the fascinating thing about covering the Chiefs right now is they make a great team. And I'm willing to say the Buffalo Bills were a great team. They won a lot right. of games this year, but they make them look ordinary. Right. And and I think that is where the Chiefs are are different. And that's where this dynasty is beginning. And what a matchup it sets up where you get to face the last guy to repeat as Super Bowl champions to try to do it yourself for the first time in like two decades. A lot of things here. I think everything you said is completely fair, completely true. The Travis Kelsey factor is incredible in and of itself. The first thing, I don't think anybody is bored with Patrick Mahomes. And I think this needs to be said. I and, meant the I meant the Chiefs were bored. No, 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 no. But oh, like, okay, different. But different like, because yeah, you're because yeah. you're talking how some people pick against him. I don't think that that's. I don't think anybody's bored. I think what people want to see, and I, I think I speak for the common man here. Hashtag common man. I think people want to see them challenged, and maybe right. there's just nobody that can do that, but. It's things like, I know you were super swamped, but this is a tiny, minuscule thing, but, you know, Tony Romo, who played for the greatest franchise in all the sports, uh, by the way, Pete, um, talked about, I mean, they're just, the Bills were just letting Travis Kelsey loose off the line of scrimmage, and he's he's like begging, he's imploring them, he's like, just just push him, I mean, literally saying, just, just push him to challenge him in the slightest bit, so maybe these, these coaching staffs do overthink it, right, and think like, I have... I have cracked the code. I've I've got the defensive scheme that's going to work, and it's like no, just just do these simple things, and that I think that's what people want to see. It's we want to see the the powers tested, and so maybe maybe it is boredom. Um, you mentioned Miko Hardman, and I know that the night that he was drafted, there was a lot of speculation about Tyreek Hill, as you will yes. very well remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I to my knowledge, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the Chiefs have never outright said we drafted Nicole because Tyreek Hill was was a question mark for never, us as far as roster availability. They never outright admitted that, but this is when when there was some domestic stuff and a case with Tyreek Hill going on. Nobody was sure if he would be banned. Don't forget, he had that stuff coming out of the draft. Right, and so I tend to think and based upon being around the team and hearing things and just the way they spin or span spinned it spun uh, spun spun it around spawn spoon not like playoff line a this is a different type of spin i i i i think that they took mccall hardman because he was the closest receiver to what tyree kill does Metcalf was available. I think a lot of teams regret that. But DK Metcalf was available, but that's not the type of receiver they wanted. They wanted someone close to Hill. Right. And whatever the reason, I don't want to call it the final infinity stone, but that has unlocked a level to their game that is unreal. The The muff punt was bad, but then, I mean, it was like he took that personally, you right. know? And and so it, that's that's what is truly flabbergasting right uh quickly on on hardman and and then i'll get to mcdermott but that was the only time the game was really in question was the beginning of it and it was the bills field goal which i'll talk about in one second and then hardman muffs the punt near the goal line it was a very quick three yard pass to knox from allen and it's nine nothing bills it actually reminded me a lot of the start of the texans divisional game for the chiefs last year where they make all these mistakes. They were dropping the football too. They they didn't look sharp. They they looked like maybe it looks like they, they had all season or early on in games. Early on. And and they got down to this nine nothing deficit, the nine because of the missed extra point. And um Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, they all went over to Hardman and kept his head in the game. Sammy Watkins was questionable entering this game. There's a chance that a lot of the stuff that was schemed up for Watkins there was an alternate plan that they were going to include Hardman. So I think when Hardman muffs this punt, the entire team, including Andy Reid, knew we got to get this guy's head back in the game. And they did rather quickly. And Andy Reid does this a lot where he'll go right back to guys 
and it seemed to snap him out of it. There was a 50-yard end-around looking play, and then Hardman actually scored the first touchdown uh, for the Chiefs in what was a 21 to nothing run. So it was 9 nothing, and then you blink, and it's 21 to 9 And here's what I wrote in my rapid reaction, and this goes back to Dable and uh, McDermott, and as you were saying, RJ, the cowardice in this game. Watching the Chiefs, the times when things get dicey with them is when a you got to have a good opposing quarterback b a good opposing defense that can get some stops and c you have to be aggressive all game because you know the chiefs are going to score you almost have to assume that they're going to score 31 points which is crazy i know to say but that is just the truth and the bills come in here and I'll I'll just read this for you because I I wrote it out and and I think I put it nicely because I I worked on it last <laughs> I, night. I think I think this came out badass. Just this being is, honest. but this is where this is where 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 I I'm at on it. The Chiefs' defense allowed its share of yardage, but turned it on in the red zone. They only allowed touchdowns on three and five trips. And I thought the Bills' fourth down play calling throughout the game was that of a team that did not understand the style of play it takes to beat the Chiefs with no score. And the Bills facing fourth and three at the Kansas City 33-yard line, again, earlier in the game, fourth and three, 33. They kick a field goal, make it three-nothing. Okay, that one's not too terrible. Late in the second quarter, with the Bills trailing 21-9, facing fourth and goal at the Kansas City 2. Going into the locker room, knowing you're giving the Chiefs the football. The Chiefs were getting in the third quarter. They kicked the field goal to make it 21-12. to That's nine points. You're making it from 12 to nine. That's still two possessions. And then in the third quarter, now down 24 to 12 because the Chiefs were able to get a field goal first. They were facing fourth and three at the Kansas City eight. They kicked a field goal to make it 24 to 15 again, a nine point deficit. So what are you doing there? In my opinion, I think you're giving the Chiefs an opportunity to snap out of it. And again, just like they did in the first half, you blink and two touchdowns later to Travis Kelsey and it's 38 to 15. Then the Bills decide we're going to get aggressive. The Chiefs defense is now playing a little bit passive because they're just trying to milk the clock down. There were some garbage points in this game, but that's where the score comes in. As you said, RJ, wasn't really a 38 to 24 type game. They were outplayed in every facet. I think playing the Chiefs is, um, you know, when you get like an optical illusion, right? Like somebody shows you, somebody sends you a meme, whatever. And if you focus you you like lose it. You know what I'm saying? You, you almost kind of have to like lose focus and let your vision kind of be blurry to fully see the optical vision. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's it. And I think if a team focuses too much, it's gone. I mentioned the clubhouse that Kyle Posey and I did after the game. Um, and I asked him, I'll ask you the same, Pete. Did you, Um, we're, we're the same age. Uh, did you watch America's Best Dance Crew in high school? The show on MTV? I had seen it. I wasn't. <laughs> an intense big fan of that program but i i'd seen it a a handful of times so promise me that you will youtube this and if you're listening uh make sure you do that i i think to to pull a pete sweeney i think that this is an awesome analogy um so the jabberwockies who have gone on to have an enormous amount of i know who they are by the way they were on the first season of the show and there was nothing like them in terms of the way they dance the way they move etc and the general premise of the show, like all talent, you know, elimination shows is at the end of an episode, two teams were up for elimination. They had to dance off, right? Like um, to, to sort of dance for their lives, however you want to call it. And yep. so the Jabberwockies had never, ever been in the elimination round the whole season. And so the episode with the final three, the penultimate episode, they are put in the elimination round. And it's kind of a big shock, like the team that you know, didn't have to, you know, dance off was really not at all better than them. So it was this like enormous level of disrespect, kind of like you felt with the Josh Allen stuff. Right. And they came out and I will send you this in their dance off and just pulled out all of the stops <laughs> for, for, for anybody that watched ABDC. It's the performance with the orange masks. And it was unbelievable. And like at the end of it, you, and they went first and you just, all you could think, I remember thinking when I was like 15 or whatever, like, there is no way in the world that this other dance crew is going to come anywhere close to them. And it was because they they got pissed off because somebody spat in their face. And that's who the Chiefs are. And that's what the Bills did here. And I cannot believe that Sean McDermott, not once but twice, to your point, chose to make a two-possession game in the best outcome possible 
another two-possession game. And Michael Kiss loves to say that the football gods do not reward cowardice. I think the like most timely thing that happened here was after the second instance when the Bills again made a 12-point game, a 9-point game. Tyler Bass kicks off. Patrick, Mah- uh, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes is sacked. Oh, man, that sucks. And then, bam, Tyreek Hill goes off for 71 yards. That's what you get for peeing into the wind, Sean McDermott. I don't know when teams are going to understand this. I mean, it's a stupid philosophy in general, right? Like, if you're up against the Jets, it's dumb. But to do it up against the Chiefs just holds no level of logic. And I, I'm really disappointed that, that Sean McDermott, who I've been a huge fan of all season, kind of let the moment get to him in that way. Again, I, I think it's just something that teams have to learn from until, and you could do this over time, like the Chiefs have done, until you slow build into having the personnel for an absolute all-out shootout. And I look forward to the day when there's actually another team. I, I promise you, I really do look forward to the day when there, you have to play that way where maybe it's a little out of character, where you don't necessarily want to go for it on fourth down, but you're not playing the Baltimore Ravens, Sean McDermott. This is the Kansas City Chiefs who just score at will on people. I, I do want to mention the defense really quickly, and this oh. this one came from Ed Werder. Chiefs defense pressured Josh Allen on 27 of his 57 dropbacks. That's 47%. That is the most pressures for a quarterback in a playoff game since ESPN began tracking quarterback pressures in 2009. Also, pressured Allen on 10 of 12 third down dropbacks. And so you think about that pressure, they had a ton of quarterback hits. They had uh, four sacks in this game. So not only was Allen under pressure when it came to the game, but literal pressure. And I think that was, again, in his real first immense big game, a huge factor in the Chiefs winning. And I think he gets better from here. I really do. Like, I I don't want to kill Allen. I think I just was unhappy with, how all of a sudden, based upon the regular season, people were putting him on the same plane of Patrick Mahomes. It, it, and I know we, we had talked about it in our Slack channel. It felt to me disrespectful. And, and I think last night you, you saw why. Eric Bieniemy deserves to be a head coach in the NFL and has deserved that for a long time. And I don't want to distract from that at all. But Steve Spagnuolo, holy crap. I mean, and I know he's he's had his shot as a head coach in the it NFL. It did not go well, right. but <laughs> this seems to be a new – he took a year off, and right. I, I've asked him about this before. It was his first year off of any – like football, and when, you, when you're in football, you, don't, you could take a year off because you make a lot of money, right, as right. a coach when you get high enough. And it was his first year off since 1980. So he's reinventing himself uh, a little bit, and he, and he does feel different anyway. Continue. I mean, he's – I'm not trying again. I'm not trying to take away from Eric Bieniemy, but people people see Patrick Mahomes, people see Andy Reid, and and there's a lot of reasons to understand the obviousness of the Chiefs' offense. Eric Bieniemy is among those reasons, but the I mean, this was one of the worst defenses in the NFL, you know. And and Steve Spagnuolo, and granted, there has been resources put into that and, and big time contracts, and and Chris Jones is amazing. I think Chris Jones is a big reason why the Chiefs beat the Browns last week. Um, but I, I just, I am so impressed. And I think this is a natural sort of turning point into the storylines. Everyone's going to focus on Mahomes and Brady, how old Mahomes was and Brady won his first Super Bowl and blah, blah, blah. He was in kindergarten. I've already seen it. <laughs> um, but like the, the giants of this is the kind of looms large. I think Steve Spagnolo kind of built the blueprint for beating Tom Brady, right? I mean, the 2007 giants, I mean, Jason Pierre Paul is now Tom Brady's teammate. Like that's, that's a cool factor. Like I think that Steve Spagnolo is this, you know, super key to that. Not that the chiefs struggle to beat Tom Brady by any means, but that's a cool subplot. And I feel like there are a lot of cool subplots to this game that we're going to see in, in 13 days. I'll give you another one. Uh, I talk about disrespect going into last year. Kelsey seemed to have just gotten skipped over when it came to tight end respect. For some reason, it went from Rob Gronkowski. He retires and eh, it's not this Kelsey guy. George, it's George Kittle. Kittle. Yeah. Faces George Kittle in the Super Bowl. And Kelsey had a key touchdown in the fourth quarter and has looked really good this year. Probably had the best year for a tight end ever. A lot of people now are considering considering Kelsey in that regard. And Gronk comes back, and here you have a matchup between Kelsey and Gronk a year after Kelsey and Kittle in the Super Bowl. So I think that's pretty cool. This is under-talked about nationally, and I think as uh, the Dan Orlovskis and the film junkies of the world start to dig into this Week 12 game, they'll notice it at the end. The Bucks in this game, and I'm sure Bucks analysts will say it the other way too, but they were getting a little bit rough with Patrick Mahomes. So as a as a almost a, a comeback, 
Frank Clark hit Tom Brady a couple times late in this game in the fourth quarter as it was ending. And Chiefs fans were a little upset because it almost blew the game. It ended up being pretty close at the end. They're talking and, about the game they played a few weeks ago, just to be Yes, right. week 12. And so there is, you know, you saw this little bit of chippiness at the end of Chiefs Bills. There is a little bit of this bad blood between what is even this year's version of the Chiefs and this year's version of the Bucks. I don't think these two teams, especially in the trenches, really like each other all that much. I um I'll throw two more at you because I like this, you know, we're kind of throwing together like a gazpacho, right? Like storyline, storyline, storyline. It's going to taste good when it comes out. Let me be the first person to tell you this. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, both in the Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, not. That sucks uh, for them, at least. Also, the Mm -hmm. Arizona Cardinals-ness of this is kind of interesting. Bruce Arians, who is definitely still overrated. And, you know, the Honey Badger. I mean, like, you know, they're looking at this game saying... That sucks. Um, maybe we didn't make some great decisions there. You know what I mean? I mean, right. that, that's an interesting factor. And you talk about the Chiefs Legion of Zoom. You mentioned um, Antonio Brown, Brown, Evans and and Godwin and, and Scotty Brown, Miller and Scotty Miller and Tyler and, and Tyler Johnson, who <laughs> had the dive of the year. I mean, that is a storyline in itself, too, with just these high powered offenses. This has the billing of what should be. I think we hope, right? We hope this to be this ultimate shootout. But sometimes you try to predict that, and all of a sudden it becomes this defense defense fest. And we've talked about how the Bucks and Chiefs defense are probably a little bit under-talked about. So, uh, man, a lot of ways this game can go. It's going to be fun to overanalyze it for the next two weeks. My lone qualm with the Chiefs Super Bowl appearances, Pete, over the last now calendar year, is get in the game against a team that does not have red as a primary base color. You know, there's just too much of that going on uh, for my taste. Also, thank you want good- the, do you want to see the creamsicles in the Super Bowl? No, I don't, because I love these Bucks uniforms, which actually brings me to another point. Um, this is the first year that they went back. This, you know, when the with the relaunch and bringing Brady in, et cetera, blah, blah. Because up until this year, they had the the monochrome. Uh, so bad. Like, oh, Those uniforms it, were so bad. They were. But so thank goodness that they changed just in the nick of time. You know what I mean? Like, thank goodness we don't have to watch those in this game. You know what I'm the, saying? The Chiefs are the, are the road team in this game. Obviously, they're going to Tampa Bay. That's another storyline where the home team is hosting the Super Bowl for the first time ever. But it's also an NFC year. So when you talk about uniforms, right. the Chiefs have this uniform and they only pull it out on rare occasions but it is white on white with these high red socks everyone makes a big deal in kansas city about the red on red the white on white mm, la, yeah la, you're la. talking you're talking white pants the, the white pants they wore oh, on it, Sunday. Is, it looks better than the red pants honestly. way better than the red pants and especially if the bucks plan on wearing red i think that's the way to go but who knows uh, how this goes rj um i are we going to close down soon i do have one more point i do have to make well, I'm, I'm going to bring up one last thing on the okay, subject of uniforms, sure. and I'll give you the floor, and I'm going to kind of think this out. Uh, I do see this statistic float out every year around this time uh, because it is very likely the Chiefs will be wearing, at the very least, their white tops. Whatever you know, whatever bottoms they put on kind of is up to them ultimately. Um, but so let's go all the way back here to the 2004 Patriots who won the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, also in Florida, wore their white jerseys. So if you don't mind, Pete, will you tabulate these for me? So we're starting with the 04 Patriots white jersey. 05 Steelers uh, beat the Seahawks in their white jerseys. The 06 Colts beat the Bears, shout out to my pup who finally settled down, in their white jerseys. That game also in the state of Florida, by the way. The 07 Giants, who beat the Patriots, wore their white jerseys. The the 08 Steelers, a game that was in Tampa Bay, uh, by the way, wore their white jerseys against a team wearing red, Pete, in the Mm -hmm. Arizona Cardinals. So they're giving you some free content. Very nice. This is great. Um, The 09 Saints, in a game that was also in Florida, Florida hosts a lot of Super Bowls, uh, wore their white jerseys against the Indianapolis Colts and won. The 2010 Green Bay Packers, a bit of an aberration in this regard, wore their green jerseys and Mm -hmm. won um, in in Dallas. The 11 Giants wore their white jerseys in Indianapolis over the Patriots. That's another white one. The 2012 Baltimore Ravens wore their white jerseys also against a team wearing red. That Mm -hmm. game was in New Orleans. The 13 Seahawks wore their white jerseys and destroyed the Denver Broncos, granted wearing orange, but similar shade. That wasn't even fun. Commercials were better than that Super Bowl. Agreed. Uh, The 14 Patriots, which restarted the Tom Brady, you know, goat stuff, uh, wore their white jerseys when Malcolm Butler made the interception against 
Texas Seahawks, the 15 Denver Broncos. If I am remembering this correctly, Pete, actually, that was an AFC home year in San Francisco, specifically chose to wear white mm. uh, because of the success that they had had pre- in previous Super Bowls with John Elway, and they beat the Carolina Panthers. The 2016 Patriots, another team who wore white that beat a team wearing red in the 28-3 wow. Atlanta Falcons comeback. Um, the 17 Eagles were their green jerseys. So, so far, the only colored jerseys that have won were white green. green. Yeah. In 2018, the Patriots wore white against the Rams and won. And then last year, the Chiefs added a different color to the spectrum, wearing their reds against the 49ers wearing white. They overcame the white jerseys beating red jerseys curse, so good for them. What was right. the fi- What's the final record here? Okay, so we had 10 and 17 were green and 19 was red. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen since oh four with white jerseys. So they're um, thirteen and three. Like, but just like Mahomes is better than than Allen, I, I think Mahomes can overcome whatever color. I mean if, he's gonna wear white though. That's what I'm saying. He's he's even got that <laughs> on his side. <laughs> if if the Bucks want to wear those nasty grays that they sometimes will wear. Oh can, god, I didn't even think about that. Oh I, I doubt that they will wear those. Okay. Pete, your final point. I think last point here and uh I hate to bring up a similar point that we did before, but I, I do want to just bring up these expert standings one more time. Oh. And I know that there are a lot of SB Nation fans out there who said, I don't believe it's going to happen. I don't believe you, Pete. I, I stuck with my gut. And for that, I'm going to give myself the come up of the week. I know normally I give this out to somebody else, but I think I deserve it. And so we were able to give a eat of the week out. And uh, I'd like to thank myself. And I'd like to say you're welcome to myself. So uh, um, what a show it's been with you, RJ. The other thing that should be said, Pete, we mentioned our, our career standings to this season um, in, in the SB Nation pick'em. So we entered this week, everybody, with five games of a disparity between Pete and myself. I have personally been tracking our picks. I pester the guys every week for their picks for Monday Football Monday and our crew. And Pete and I, entering this week, were separated by two games. And we are now tied because Pete got both conference championship games right. If we differ on the Super Bowl, Pete, that will decide the true picks champion in the inaugural season. It sounds like you're not picking away from the white jersey, though. I'll say that. Well, I mean, here's the thing that I really want to say. How in the world... Is there is the disparity not equal <laughs> among the two pickups? I mean, like, what happened? I, I don't know. I, I think that you are, to be frank, a little inconsistent with your picks um, in different places. Right. So I'll put that on you. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of picks, and what happens is, I'll tell you what happens really quickly. This is just pulling the curtain back. SB Nation, we got to have our picks in by Tuesday afternoon. A lot happens from Tuesday to Friday. So fortunately, RJ, you're a fair but tough pick holder you allow us to change before the game has begun there were a couple wft games where i thought smith was starting and it ended up being haskins and there ain't no way in hell i'm putting the charcuterie on Dwayne haskins and i you, you were nice enough to let me change so that that i think is where the disparity is well um congratulations to you Pete, being the only sb nation expert to correctly predict Thank super you. bowl 55 and for everyone keeping score at home i I'm super annoyed by this, but I will always defend the truth. Pete picked Chiefs Buccaneers before the season began. Uh, so the heaviest of Pat, and not, not even a Pat, Pete, come in for the full hug. Come on in. Man. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, uh, I can feel it. Yep. That From was Texas nice. to Kansas City. That's nice. Yep. Um, everybody, uh, thanks for listening to Monday Football Monday. Kiss, we love you. Hope you're back next week. Uh, we have a fantastic slate of shows coming to you both this week, and we have some surprises in store for next week. So make sure you are subscribed to the SB Nation NFL show. We are available on all major podcasts platforms we will see you next week pete leave the people with something Woo!